Good evening, ghouls and ghoulettes, and welcome to Killer Horror Critic, the podcast worth dying for. Hosted by the Killer Horror Critic himself, this is the show where guests from all over the horror spectrum join to talk about some of their favorite horror films. So get snugged under the covers, grab a cuddly puppy, and prepare for tonight's blood-curdling episode of Killer Horror Critic. Good evening, horror fans, and welcome to another episode of Killer Horror Critic. I'm your host, Matt. And I'm Chris. And we are your killer couple critiquing and arguing over horror films like a couple of weirdos at the bar. So maybe you never quite learn anything. Maybe we never blow your mind. Maybe we never inspire you to dance and sing while the zombie apocalypse is going on. (laughs) But hopefully you just have a good time listening. Uh, Today we are kicking off our month-long theme that you all voted for, which is horror musicals. And we're going to start with the 2018 film Anna and the Apocalypse. (laughs) I'm so fucking excited to talk about horror musicals. I've been wanting us to do this for forever. Yeah, well, they are great. Lots of great films and songs we're going to be covering this month, so <laughs> so hopefully uh, all of you are fans of musicals. <laughs> so the film is directed by John McPhail. Uh, it was written by Alan McDonald and Ryan McHenry, uh, who sadly passed away in 2015, so never got to see you know the completed hmm. film. Uh, it stars Ella Hunt as Anna, who you can most recently see in the film Master, which we mentioned a few weeks back. Uh, that's now on Amazon Prime. Amazing movie. Very, very good. Very difficult film, but very good film. Just fun fact about her. She actually gave her first live performance when she was six in the Boston Children's Opera. Well, where, damn. Yeah, where she's saying uh, turning from Les Mis, which is fun because she actually went on to appear in the 2012 Les Mis film. So. Oh, nice. <laughs> so nice little uh, full circle kind of thing there. The film also stars Malcolm Cummings as John, uh, Sarah Swire as Steph, and Marley Sue as Lisa. And then, you know, we got a lot of cast members. <laughs> I'm not going to mention all of them. but <laughs> uh, And the film is essentially about... A bunch of high school students, including Anna, who find themselves in the middle of a zombie apocalypse around Christmas and sing songs while battling zombies. (laughs) As you should. (laughs) As you should. What other way is there to do it, right? Exactly. So we are going to be spoiling everything with the film that we can get to. So if you have not seen it, please go check it out beforehand. Uh, It should be streaming on Pluto TV, at least at the time that we're recording this it is. And it's also well worth the rental, I think, yes. if, if you haven't. It's a really fun film. Uh, very dark. It is a zombie <laughs> film, you know. And as we know, with some of the best zombie movies, they're also very depressing. But yeah. <laughs> uh, So it's kind of got a weird sort of combination of really fun and gut wrench. <laughs> but it is a great movie, so definitely recommend checking it out. Uh, but we do have our brief little spoiler-free bit here before we get into spoilers, so we'll, we'll let you know we're about to ruin things for you. So as we like to start off with the tagline versus the film, just kind of what we think of the tagline in the movie overall. So the tagline for Anna and the Apocalypse is, A Zombie Christmas Musical. <laughs> so what do you think of the tagline? What do you think of Anna and the Apocalypse overall? I mean, it's accurate. That's what it is. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. It, you know, it, 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 it's Nailed a- it. <laughs> It gets the job done selling it because me personally, if I see anything labeled as a zombie Christmas musical, 
I'm automatically yeah, in. in. <laughs> and, 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 you know, and people, people are maybe surprised uh, about this with me. If Like, if you know me, this might shock you, perhaps, uh, especially because it's something I don't talk about often. But I actually really enjoy a good chunk of musicals. Yep. And especially in horror, of course. <laughs> and, you know, I'm one of those weirdos that kind of thinks that basically every horror film ever made would be fun to see a version of a horror musical. Right, they should all have one song in them. One, like, kick line. Well, well, you're just talking about, like, Bollywood movies, you know? Like you, So you want, you want every just horror film made in America to just have one, like, Bollywood-type number, right? Just it doesn't have to be number. Bollywood. No, I know not yeah. Bollywood, but you want it to be like Bollywood where they have, like, one musical number in each. Yes. Yeah, I want to see Jason do a, like, soliloquy song, yes. Oh, I don't even need Jason Voorhees the scene, you know, just him, just him dancing around with his machete as he cuts up counters being like, that'd be amazing. <laughs> I want a Jason musical now. That's what the next Friday the 13th should be. A musical. I mean, he, any of them. Like, uh, imagine Freddy Krueger doing a musical, you know? He would like, be just, a great musical. Just, just the witty lines that he would have, you know? It'd be, it'd be so fun. And, you know, I, I mean, like one film that we had already covered before that we didn't do for this month that is an example of not being an official musical, but that makes me just think so many films would be better off with musical numbers, is like Slumber Party Massacre Part 2. Yeah. You know, like that film's not technically a musical, but there's so many great songs, including a killer who sings as he hunts the girls down. Like, Amazing. It's so much fun. Um, But anyway, yeah, so no, Annie and the Apocalypse, uh, j just first off, a little bit of history with it. It, it was adapted from a short film. Uh, called Zombie Musical, which was actually written and directed by McHenry, who, like I mentioned, passed away, which is why you see the in remembrance of him at the end, because uh, he did, you know, do the film that this was based on. It's kind of creepy, I think, that this movie came out uh, just a little bit before COVID, <laughs> um, because it does deal so heavily with the idea of, like, you know, a pathogen that's spreading through the world and everyone's yep. kind of like oblivious of shit. <laughs> yep. Gotta just ignore it until they have to deal with it head on. Yeah. But but it's just such a great movie. I, I I love this cast. I love the the songs featured in it. You know, it, it's the kind of film that I feel like uh, so many of us have begun to just play this every Christmas. Uh, play the soundtrack. Yeah. You know, during, during the holidays. During the holidays, I play it year round. This is like one of my go to. I'm gonna dance around the store to these songs because they're perfect. I, you know, I fucking love this movie just because, yeah, the music's great in this. This really, for me, this is one of the better films that really captures what it's like to be a teenager. Um, oh, the teenage angst in, oh, in the Apocalypse is heavy. <laughs> it's so good. And it's one of those rare, like, fun horror films that has me laughing out loud and then also makes me cry a shit ton. I cry more during this movie than I'd like to admit. I fucking love musicals. Like, I grew up in a family where, like, we had season tickets to go and see all the musicals that came to Wisconsin, stuff like that. So I've grown up loving musicals. And so when there's this great, like, combination of horror movies and musicals, and when they're done as well as Anne in the Apocalypse, like, look, all horror musicals are going to be my favorite movie. I can't. They're just all fantastic. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, I can't think of any horror musicals, per se, that I don't really like. Right. Because <laughs> they tend to be really over the top and, and sometimes bloody, but usually pretty fun. Mm -hmm. And the thing about Anne and the Apocalypse that I really do enjoy, uh, just one last scene here before we get into spoilers, is that I, I do kind of love like how much it is or, or captures that sort of 
Christmas movie vibe. Yeah. You know, like it, it, it and, and like, like I'm one of those people that actually really loves Christmas horror movies, mm-hmm. you know, and, and Christmas films. Well, I can't say Christmas films in general because I hate a lot of Christmas <laughs> movies, but, <laughs> but like Christmas comedies and Christmas horror films, I always really like. And, and, and this one pays tribute to a lot of them, you know, uh, whether it's in spirit or direct references. Like I love that the end credits are basically a homage to the uh, Griswold's Christmas Vacation opening credits, you know, where they kind of do like a fun little cartoon and stuff like that. And and so in a lot of ways, like Annie the Apocalypse, it it really captures the heart of what being a Christmas movie is all about, which is essentially, you know, kind of exploring those sort of like coming of age themes, you know, and kind of like what the holiday means and all that kind of stuff. Uh, well, at the same time, you know, also being <laughs> extremely dark as yeah. as horror Christmas movies are tend or as horror Christmas movies tend to be, which I always found really interesting is that you know m- some of the darkest horror films are the ones that are set around Christmas, <laughs> not Halloween, not Valentine's Day, not St. Patrick's Day. You know, it's Christmas. Like the darkest horror movies are set around Christmas. Like actually, think to yourself. You know, the the list of Christmas horror movies and at least 50% of them are just dark as fuck. <laughs> okay, you're right. They're really dark and depressing a lot of the times. Silent Night, Deadly Night, Christmas Evil, Black Christmas, the original. Like, they're all just so fucking dark. <laughs> I guess we're working <laughs> some shit out. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I, I always attribute it to, you know, the, the whole, like, Catholicism and Christianity and all that kind of shit that plays into Christmas is just like fucked up in and of itself so <laughs> so i always feel like these movies are kind of you know expunging some of that <laughs> fair enough uh but all right so we are gonna get into spoilers now for any of the apocalypse so again if you have not seen it please go check it out well worth the rental streaming on pluto tv if you have it uh which is free so you know download it but but all right so get into spoilers so let, let's just start off with the main theme of this movie which is you know we we meet anna there's a girl who I think the opening scene is her telling her dad that she wants to skip uni as it's called Mm -hmm. in Britain, (laughs) skip uni (laughs) for now and, and, you know, go off and travel. Yeah. And, and we end up meeting a lot of characters like this who kind of have dreams of like getting out of the town and doing something different, you know, and whatever. Mm -hmm. So what, what are your thoughts on like this movie in particular and that kind of theme and the way it plays out through the film? So one of the things I love about Anne and the Apocalypse is the fact that, like, like we kind of mentioned it, it's a coming-of-age story, but more specifically, it's about a very specific time in coming-of-age, and that's when you're leaving high school and you're about to go off to college, which is such a, an interesting time for kids, because we've, we've all fucking been there, where you're super excited to, like, get away, you feel like you're a little adult, even though you're not, because you're 18 and you're still a baby and you know nothing. Yeah, but you Um, don't know that when you're 18. You think you know everything when you're 18. (laughs) Exactly. And so that's what I kind of like, because you do get that moment with like that opening song, which is Break Away, which is both Anna and and Steph really talking about how they want to get away from everything. And so I think that's the really cool thing about this whole film, is that it's Anna's journey. Uh, It's Anna's journey to kind of figure out how she feels about all of this stuff because like on top of it being a coming of age thing the the other underlying thing that Anna and and her dad um Tony played by Mark Benton are dealing with is the grief of losing her mom and so 
it's a more subtle thing that's also happening, but that's resulted in her dad being super controlling over her and not letting her really grow up and her not knowing how to process any of that. And so we have this entire film that is just Anna kind of coming to terms with what does it actually mean leaving her small town and moving on from that while fighting off zombies. No, yeah, and that ends up, you know, kind of being sort of like a big theme of the movie is kind of the the difference between adults and teenagers and how they kind of approach like this point in life, right? Mm-hmm. And, and it, you know, the film really is playing into that kind of concept of like teenagers just don't really know shit. <laughs> <laughs> but, but a lot of us do know that you know, we want something different. We want change because I don't know about the rest of you, but like, you know, I grew up in the suburbs and I mean, even before I hit 18, I was already just like, I, I want to get the fuck out of here. Uh, Cause if you haven't grown in the suburbs, like you don't even know it, it, it is the most boring place you can possibly grow up, especially if it, if it's the suburbs of like the Midwest in Illinois, where, you know, unless, unless you live really close to Chicago or something, there's just nothing to do. It's yeah. not, it's nothing but like flat land, which means, you know, bowling alleys and movie theaters. <laughs> and that's pretty much your only option, you know, as a kid. So, <laughs> so I really connect to the character of Anna and just kind of like where I was at that point in life mm-hmm. really is taking the idea of that and kind of using zombies as like, you know, sort of a metaphor for just kind of the the, the sort of like dangers and the horror <laughs> that kind of lurks you know, outside of high sc- of the high school experience. And, mm-hmm. you know, to me, they're kind of like, okay, here comes the real world, you know, and it's going <laughs> to fucking eat you up and chew you up and spit you out. And, you know, and, and, and it's just, it's not necessarily saying like, don't do what Anna does, but mm-hmm. it's kind of like, you know, just these zombies are sort of that reference point of it, 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 life is hard, basically. And, and for someone like Anna, who's all kind of dreamy and like, oh, I'm going to go travel and it's going to be great. It's like, okay, but but hold up and realize that there there's a real <laughs> world out there. You you've lived you've lived under the roof with your parents and it's been nice and fun or whatever. But there's a real world out there, and it's going to fucking suck sometimes. Oh, you sound like your dad. You do. How do I sound like my dad? No, no, you sound like her dad. No, I don't. I'm not telling her not to. I don't think the movie's telling her not to either. Mm. It's just just more – you have to more so look at it like – the the film is essentially embodying that feeling of fear of leaving. Yeah. You know, it's not saying don't. It's not saying you're going to fail. It's basically just saying – you know, there there is a real world out there that's fucking hard, and and that's all it's saying. It's I do agree with you, kind of. No, you don't. <laughs> no, I don't, because I don't view the zombies as as the outside horror. Who, who the hell thinks that the real world isn't hard? <laughs> no, no, I agree. With, I do agree with you with that. I do agree that the real world is hard, and that these kids really don't understand how difficult it's going to be once they get out there. But for me, because I also grew up in a small town, I view the zombies more as the fear of getting trapped there. Like, these are all the people who will never leave that town because, like, you know, they're zombies. They're dead. They can't leave. But for me, it was always a fear of mine that, um, you know, I moved out to L.A. a week after my college graduation because I knew if I stayed, even if I stayed in Chicago, I was never going to leave the Midwest because that's kind of what these small towns do to you sometimes. You just get stuck there. And that's not a bad thing. Well, uh, I disagree. <laughs> I mean, we both love living in L.A. It's But for the people who do stay, it's not necessarily 
necessarily a bad thing, but you do get stuck. So I view the zombies as, you know, these kids are trying to like get out. They're trying to find themselves and figure shit out. And yeah, to your point, it's fucking hard. You got to bash people in the fucking head sometimes. Well, well, I mean, I think it's both, but that's the thing is it's both because, you know, like you have, you have them, you have the people turning into zombies, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's representative of like the, you know, kind of living that small town life and how it sort of looks to, you know, someone like Anna or someone like myself who, you know, I couldn't wait to get the fuck out of Illinois. Like I could, I could not wait to come to LA, but, but alternatively, like it was, you know, because, because you do, you do look around you and you're like, I don't want to stay here. I don't, I don't want to (laughs) become, you know, no, again, no offense to people who do, but it's like, I don't want to become like my parents who, you know, never, (laughs) never live further than 10 minutes from where they grew up at. You know, I Mm -hmm. wanted, I wanted to actually go out and kind of try something in the world, you know, and and try a new experience. And, and so, so you do kind of like at that age, I think you do look around at the people around you as sort of representative of zombies, you Mm -hmm. know, and just how like, you don't want to become that. You don't want to live the same life that your parents did. You don't want to stay stuck. Right. Yeah. But, but I think there's an alternative to that because at the same time that, you know, I'm getting ready to come off to LA and everything. uh, It's also terrifying. I mean, I, I moved out here. Uh, with with very little money, mm-hmm. uh, having to move in with roommates I'd never met before. I did not meet them until you know until I actually <laughs> moved into the place with no job. You know, I came here for like a semester in LA thing, so I did you know finished up college here within like two months, and then it was kind of like, all right, now get a fucking job and try to survive out here. You know, so <laughs> so so I think the zombies are like they kind of work twofold. You know, they're 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 the town that you don't want to stay in they're the life that you don't want to be trapped in but mm-hmm. they're also kind of the fear and and the you know the representation of like life is hard and mm-hmm. you know growing up and leaving high school is you're you are going out into the world and it is going to be tough and you do have to kind of like fight for those dreams and everything so i kind of look at it like both basically yeah i agree with you and that's what i really like about anna the apocalypse is that it's taking on quite a few messages and not saying it's one way or the other but showing you multiple sides um it's also why i like songs like turning my life around because i feel like that really like encapsulates being a teen at this age because it's anna and john both dancing through the streets they got music on completely Completely ignoring the fact that there's fucking shit on fire there's people fighting off zombies and all that kind of stuff and i think you know to your point that's really the epitome of being 18 and you're about to go out into the world and you just have no idea what the fuck you're in for well the thing i love about that song is you know so something that's really great about anna the apocalypse and 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 mikhail's approach to it or mcphail's approach to it is that there really is like a heavy sense of irony kind of playing throughout the movie and just really fun comedy that's not you know directly in your face but kind of playing through the background and so like that song where they are talking you know i what's the name of the song again a breakaway uh turning my life around turning my life around like that that song which is kind of all about you know uh having dream and having dreams and being excited about a new day and like living (laughs) life and all that kind of stuff they're singing it in a cemetery like the the irony (laughs) is incredible you know they're they're surrounded they're surrounded by dead people and <laughs> and they're like and they're like yeah life is great you know it's going to be so awesome and i got this right and so there's always that kind of irony playing in the background of like okay but do you got this you know <laughs> and, and 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 yeah and i love the beginning to that where you know as the apocalypse is 
kind of beginning, mm-hmm. you do have Anna just dancing through the streets and probably, I, th- I think it's one of my favorite scenes, at least top three for me in yeah. the movie, uh, with her just dancing through the town and like completely ignoring <laughs> all of the zombie carnage. You <laughs> the know? fucking lady abandoning her baby to get eaten by a zombie. <laughs> yeah, which I mean, I get it, lady. You know, I'm, I'm totally going to throw Chris at a zombie so I can escape. <laughs> cool, um, yeah, you don't want to be part of my group in the zombie apocalypse. No, you but, don't. But yeah, but you know, I, I love that obliviousness to it, which also, again, speaks to kind of the 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 dreaming sort of aspect of it of like when you are kind of caught up in those hopes and dreams of the future mm-hmm. you do kind of ignore the danger you know like yeah. you 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 kind of shut off the world around you and you get focused on like that is what i want that's what i'm gonna do mm-hmm. and you don't really pay attention to all the bullshit <laughs> yeah like i feel like we have it with both that and then the Another part of that is when we have Nick's song, Soldiers at War, which is the fucking dumbass teenage boys who are just so excited to kill zombies. Like, and they're, again, I feel like it's a good encapsulation of, again, being 18 and not understanding the dangers of what they're trying to go off into. Because these boys are so fucking excited to kill zombies. They're killing them with a goddamn watermelon, which I don't know how the fuck that works. A PlayStation. Watermelons are heavy. I don't know. You can beat a, beat a zombie in the head with a He's watermelon. He's got a mini watermelon. <laughs> Well, they're not exactly the brightest dudes in the bunch. They right? are so. not. But, you know, that's that's for me always an interesting song that also encapsulates that, like, also kind of encapsulates that, like, I'm 18, I'm young, I don't really understand the world yet, I'm just excited to get out in there. Even if I get into trouble, who cares? I can clean up my own mess. You know, until they get to that moment where they're going through, you know, the Christmas tree lot. There's mm. the bravado of being 18, thinking you well, know everything. Yeah, no, I mean, the Soldier at War song is so great because, like, you know, on one hand, yeah, we're witnessing dumb teenage boys <laughs> uh, just thinking that they can do anything right that are actually excited about a zombie apocalypse, which... Yep. You know what the fuck? <laughs> I mean, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, if I if I have to choose an apocalypse, I guess zombies would be better than like werewolves or vampires, right? You would because... love a werewolf apocalypse. No, I wouldn't because <gasps> a were no. See, I love werewolves, but a werewolf apocalypse means that I'm just gonna be shredded to shit, and I'm not coming back as a werewolf. So. If you survive, you get to be a werewolf. You're not gonna survive in a werewolf <laughs> apocalypse. All right, you're just not. So, like, the the odds are very slim. <laughs> But but with zombies, it's like, yeah, okay, you know, slow-moving, dumbass, dead people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can totally just, you know, bash them in the head with a watermelon, I guess. <laughs> so, like, it works on that level. But also, yeah, it is, you know, again, this is all about leaving school and moving on to the next step of your life. Mm-hmm. So the Soldier of War song is totally about those kids that are kind of lost that don't really know what they want from their future mm-hmm. and kind of get trapped up and in, in, you know, ideals of like the military and serving your country and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, only to realize that, you know, you're just, again, meat for the grinder. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's kind of, that kind of ends up being all of those kids futures, right? As they get eaten up in the Christmas tree shops. Yes, they do. <laughs> but one thing I want to mention before we move on from, from just kind of this element of like getting away is, you know, you mentioned when we were watching the movies, you kept saying, like, this movie really loves penguins. It does. I, I, don't, I don't know why I'm, like, mocking the way you talk there, but <laughs> but but it, but there's a lot of penguin references, and I actually think it's kind of smart because, again, I, I don't know that this is the intention, but mm-hmm. I kind of like the penguin references because what are penguins? They're birds that can't fly, you know? And You so, just made the penguin reference sad. <laughs> well... <laughs> Yes and no, you know, dumb, I, lightless birds. I, I, it, it more so applies to like, I mean, yeah, it's a little sad, you know, <laughs> but, but, you know, but, but like Anna herself, she's got the penguin pajamas, you know, uh-huh. and, 
and it's sort of like yeah it's it's kind of if if you don't want to look at it like sort of signifying that like anna can't fly Mm -hmm. look at it more like anna wants to fly yeah you know like these are kids who want to fly they want to get out of there Mm -hmm. uh so the penguin reference is kind of perfect because it's like they want to but they're kind of stuck yeah they're kind of stuck you know (laughs) and especially now with the zombie apocalypse they ain't going nowhere it's gonna be much more difficult (laughs) it's gonna be much more difficult but she's such a great hero to like lead this too which is why i think her last name is shepherd you know because i I sort of (laughs) do yes i know i'm being a dork with this but come on i love you so much in this come on the writer the writer's named her shepherd for a reason right not disagreeing and so and so you know obviously it plays into like christmas and all that crap but (laughs) but the idea of a shepherd is you know leading people Mm -hmm. and so i kind of like anna as this symbol of like leading people to their dreams granted it doesn't work out for a lot of them <laughs> no nope. but i love her as a character because she is inspiring in that way you know of just like i i'm going to you know like I, i'm going to achieve my dreams no matter what zombie apocalypse be damned <laughs> you know <laughs> yes i mean and that gets commented on multiple times both john and her dad you know both make comments about the fact that anna always has a plan anna always knows what she wants to do and what she's going to do you know and so i think that that plays into it but it does take that drive to overcome being a flightless bird 100 uh, percent. and and then of course we meet the person who does not have a plan which is principal savage <laughs> oh principal savage has a plan it just doesn't no, he doesn't have a plan Prince, are you kidding me? Principal <laughs> Savage has no plan. That's the point to him. He doesn't have a plan. Like, the, the thing... Okay, so the thing that's great about his character is... First of all, I love him as a villain just because I think that the actor that plays Arthur Savage, uh, Paul Kay, just goes, like, full <laughs> fucking throttle. He's amazing. You know, he, he, he is completely deranged even before the apocalypse. Like, I love the way that he just, like hisses everything that he says and looks like he's about to have a breakdown like every fucking moment yep but he's such a perfect villain for this because he to me he's basically the embodiment of like the adult fear of your kids moving on Mm -hmm. and, and you and you no longer have that control yeah you know and so him being the principal of course he he runs this school he, that... He's not the principal. He's the vice principal. And he is very salty about that. He's the headmaster. <laughs> Still not in charge. Well, whatever. As a person who works in a school, Chris, <laughs> he, you know, he's surrounded by kids and everything. And, and it's his job to kind of like have that... Well, not his job, but it's, you know, he gets power over them, basically. Mm-hmm. He's so, you know, focused on these kind of christian ideals of like you know no sex no kissing no (laughs) you know like everything's very strict and parental with him Uh and so to me he is kind of just that embodiment of like the the fear of parents of letting their kids go out into the world because he's like once you go out into the world you're gonna fuck you're gonna drink you're gonna do (laughs) drugs you know and and i'm no longer gonna have like a a say over your life i'm no i'm no longer gonna have that parental control because i can't watch what you're doing 24 7 you know and and all of that just fucking kills him that he has (laughs) no power anymore in this apocalypse i love the fact that we watch the same movie and have two completely different takes on it i do agree with the last sentence that you said that a lot of this comes from him feeling like he has absolutely no control because the way that i view him is he's an example of somebody who got trapped you know this whole movie is about being well, of course he is but he's yeah. still, I, i'm not saying he's not that uh-huh. but i am saying that he's representative of the parental fear he hates children too much <laughs> no it's a, but it's not about that you have to look you have to look beyond like specific character personality traits mm-hmm. and just say like 
what is this movie about? This movie's about kids that feel trapped and want to get out of here. Mm -hmm. And what is he doing as this adult? He's trying to keep them there. He's trying to keep them trapped. I <laughs> you know, mean, he, he's trying to keep them from becoming adults. Okay, I can kind of understand because he because he is kind of like a very much control freak. He wants everybody to listen to him. He wants to be important. That's his whole big yeah, thing. And, and and he hates teenage wants like sex and <laughs> and alcohol and all that kind of stuff. You know, like when when uh when Lisa sings her song. That's like one of the first moments that we really see how depraved he is, where he's just like sexual deviance, you know, or, or whatever the hell he says. So like, I mean, he overreacts, but that is a very saucy song. Uh, it's a great song, and I'm glad she performed it in front of the school. Do I have a crush on Mary Sue? Maybe I don't know. Um, but, uh, but but no, but that's what I mean. Is like you know, he is so controlling. He is so wanting to keep these kids down. So mm. it's not to say that. Every adult's like that, and every adult, you know, feels that exact thing. Mm -hmm. But it's just a generalization of, like, you know, there is an adult fear. And, like, you worry about your kids leaving you. You worry about not having the ability to be around them or, you know, or, or kind of look out for them or, or control the situation with them, mm -hmm. you know. And so I, so I do view him as what you're about to say. <laughs> but I do also see him as, yeah, he, he's he's like a metaphor for that fear of parents, you know, and just like being worried about kids going out into the world. <laughs> okay, so see, this is again why I love Anne and the Apocalypse so much, because you have convinced me. Like, mm. I do agree with you, you know, as you kind of walked me through it, that yes, he very much does, you know, represent that worst side of you know, over-parenting. Right, he even has the line where he's like, we can't trust them to do anything by themselves, <laughs> you know? Like, that's a fucking parent line, you know? That's yeah. a fuck, fuck being the, the headmaster. That is something a parent says of like, I can't trust my kid to do anything, you know? <laughs> uh, so I do agree with you on the parent side, and then I think that there also is, you know, he's a character that I feel like we've, we've seen in horror films before, and especially zombie films, and not in a bad way, but, you know, the character who is so desperate to hold on to control, and when he doesn't feel like he has it or it's slipping fuck everybody else fuck everybody who says no to him because he kills all of those parents yeah. like he has the very chilling line when he's talking with lisa about chris's grandmother where he asks her to look around and he's just like civilization is crumbling and what do we do when civilization crumbles and lisa has the very sweet kind of naive answer oh and it's I, not kind of it is naive <laughs> it is but i love it and i believe in it which is help each other and he goes no 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 prioritize yeah but he's right because i mean <gasps> no no he's not right as in that's what you should do but he's mm -hmm. right and that's what the world does yes i mean come on chris you're you're living through it i right? know you're living through it right now i mean that's still that, hopeful though <laughs> i mean that's that's part of why that line is so chilling because you know when you when you watch this movie in 2018 uh, a lot of us probably would have watched that and been like you know no shut up savage like mm -hmm. you know we're i'm totally on lisa's side like we help each other you know <laughs> but but the, you know it's hard to ignore having lived through a, a pandemic the last few years yeah. and, and technically still in it you know and seeing how the world has reacted i mean for god's sakes you know look at america like we've basically been like hey fuck all the people who are you know susceptible to the disease yep. uh, the economy you know so like yep. so so i mean he's he's 100 percent right and that's kind yeah. of the the sad truth of you know this film and adulthood in general is that you know there there are those adults like him that mm -hmm. are you know unfortunately kind of the majority that are in control 
uh, which, you know, are the ones who uh, don't really believe in hope. You know, they've kind of they've kind of had it smashed by the world. And now they just clean on to like this little bit of fragile power that they have, you know, where it's where that's like everything to them. Like, fuck humanity, morality, (laughs) all that kind of stuff. It's like that power is what people crave. And like, I mean, it, it is just crazy what we've seen the last few years just what the smallest amount of power will do to people (laughs) yeah and what they'll do to hold on to it yeah like that's why for me so i i fucking love musicals and i love musicals for the reason that we get in this film which is his song nothing's gonna stop me now because the nice thing about musicals is we get these nice little like almost soliloquies where we get to get into the character's head, which in a normal film we can't have. It's exposition. It's not yeah, necessary. Yeah, there, there's very, there's very, <laughs> it's the one difficult thing about doing a podcast on these musicals because there's very little reading into it. The characters pretty much tell you everything they're feeling. <laughs> but see, I like that. It helps me connect with the characters a little bit more because like I don't want to hear like an evil villain monologue rant, right? Like that's boring. That's that's this is extra. The same thing, but in musical form. Exactly. So it makes it better. Like him just like you know, singing through the kitchen about how much he fucking hates everybody while he kicks shit. Like, it's it's a really nice look into the psyche of this character and these characters that we see in a lot of horror films about he's just hit his breaking point. He's basically kind of tried to play by, you know, whatever set of rules. He got trapped here. He's trying to play by whatever set of rules to get any amount of power. And then the apocalypse happens and he's realized, fuck, all bets are off. I don't have to play nice anymore. I'm going to murder everybody. And I don't know. It's the thing for me of like, again, I like musicals because we get those like weird well, little you're moments. Well, you're not exactly a subtlety person. You you want everything. Look, I'm dumb as a brick wall <laughs> and I need it sung to me. It's not, it's not that you're dumb <laughs> as a brick wall, but you, you are you are the type of audience that you, you want a big old bowl of exposition to spoon No, right I don't. I don't want exposition because exposition is boring, that's but exactly, musicals are fun. That's exactly what this is, Chris. Shut it's up. all exposition. It's all characters musicals. saying exactly how they feel but and what they want. there's a song I can it's sing exposition. to. <laughs> it's exposition. Stop being mean but to my musicals. I'm not being mean to musicals. I'm just, <laughs> I, look, this is the element of musicals where I understand why some might not like them because they are so kind of in your face about exactly what's happening. There, there's mm-hmm. very... There's very little room to read into what are they trying to tell me with this character or this moment or whatever, you know? It's it's all very much you don't have to think about this. Here it is, you know. Fair enough. But no, but but like I said, he he really does reflect that, you know, again, if I'm going to read into anything, he does, he really does reflect I think just those fears and and yes, and, and tying more than what you're saying, just there's sort of a a split going on here between the adults and the kids, you know, because you have that whole scene where the kids are like, oh, the adults will know what to do. And then we cut to them and they're all, you know, (laughs) hoarding shit, hoarding shit and like pushing each other out of the way. Like they don't, they don't have any idea what to do basically. Which is accurate. Which is accurate. I mean, we're adults. We're living through this. We don't know what the fuck to do, you know? So, So I think that it's, you know, it's emblematic of like kind of that childhood naivety of like, you know, oh, once you become an adult, like you, you have more knowledge, you, you have more power, you know what to do. And he's sort of a foil to that of like, well, actually you don't, you know, you're kind of like, like you look at his character and he's kind of this pathetic dude that all he has is this little bit of power over kids, right? He needs a fucking hobby. He needs a fucking hobby for sure. But you know, it's sort of like, it's it's the opposite of Anna, who's like all full of dreams and hopes, mm-hmm. and you know here's this miserable guy who, you know, is kind of the the part of adulthood 
uh, or the or a reflection of the adults who have failed or who lost those dreams, you know, yeah. um, who who just, you know, they've just settled into a life of like what little control they have over something. And it's sad. It's <laughs> and, really... and then when it goes away, they murder everybody. Some do. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, for God's sakes, look at how fucking politicians act over you know, potentially losing a little bit of power, they'll fucking do and say anything. So. That is horrifyingly true. You know, I mean, something else that's kind of like horrifyingly true is kind of the, and I know you hate this because we always disagree on technology stuff, <laughs> um, but but the the film's kind of like super negative <laughs> viewpoint on technology. <laughs> you know, cause it, like this plays right into everything that I always talk about, which is how, you know, tech in a lot of ways well it's great and it you know allows us to communicate more instantly mm-hmm. <laughs> this this film is very much like you know tech has also turned us into fucking mindless zombies <laughs> yeah i mean you literally get that with some of the lines from from human voice you know which i love that song because here's what i actually do agree with you in this film that they are talking very much about some of the negatives of technology i would hope so because that song's pretty fucking on the nose about it it is it is but i'm gonna make the argument that like with everything else this movie touches on they do show multiple sides to it yes they there do. is zero good use of tech in this movie there, chris's movie is good use of tech how Okay, so I agree with you that for the most part, this movie is talking about how um, technology, especially used incorrectly, and it likes to juxtapose it a lot, is a negative. And we definitely get that with human voice, because human voice is very much about how, okay, it's nice that we can call people on the phone and text people an email, but it's not the same thing as having a human conversation. And that, you know, that is, and going into our whole, like, leaving in at, at 18, that's one of these things that these kids don't realize. They're not going to be able to sit at the kitchen table with their parent anymore. More. Mm-hmm. They're going to miss out on that stuff, and that is a huge deal. I don't know about you, but I definitely dealt with that when I first went away to college. Not being able to talk to my parents was hard. Oh, it, it's really different. Yeah, you're yeah. you're no like like yeah. When I when I moved to LA, you know, again, I I'm moving in with roommates that I didn't know, and frankly, <laughs> uh, I didn't get along with three out of four of them. You know, so, <laughs> Uh, so there definitely were a lot of nights of like, yeah, I want to call my parents, want to call my sister, you know, I want to call my friends because you do feel that loneliness of like, yeah. okay, now you're out in the real world. You know, it's not it's not just like growing up at home where you just come downstairs from your room and there's your parents or your siblings and you just sit down and talk. Right. Yeah. You know, and that's why we get in that song. They keep talking about it as I'm, you know, wanting to talk in that old fashioned way, being able to do that person to person. So I definitely think that it's talking about that. But then you have interesting juxtapositions like um, when Steph is looking up information about what's going on, because technology does help spread news. They're able to find out that the army is supposed to come in and help them and all that kind of stuff. But immediately after they use tech for a slightly good thing, Chris is just like, hey, look up evac selfies. And we yeah, see the it, shitty things that humans are doing. No, you 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 missed. This movie is completely anti-tech. It's not, it is not pro-tech in any way whatsoever. Like, and, and, to, and to prove my point here. <laughs> oh, God. Um, so you just mentioned, okay, one of the positive aspects is, well, they know what to do for help. Well, that completely fails, you know, yeah, so it, does. Th- it really doesn't help them in mm. any way whatsoever. And, and then I, I think the most blatant example of like tech just kind of uh, essentially being like a zombie inducing piece of bullshit, mm-hmm. uh, in the world is when they do try to use the tech to distract the zombies, yeah. uh, in the end. And it, Again, this is another twofold thing here of 
not only are the zombies themselves more zombie-ish <laughs> by being distracted by this video <laughs> on TV of just being like, oh, TV, you know? Um, but then as they're trying to escape, the fucking battery dies and, and that ends up resulting in Lisa and Chris getting bitten and becoming zombies, you know? So, so tech basically completely fails them <laughs> in the moment that they need it the most, you know? Yeah. And, and so I, I do not think that this film in any way is trying to be positive on tech. I think, and, and you know, I mean, a lot of it's true. Like, I mean, for God's sake, if you just look at how social media has been during <laughs> during the pandemic, like, it's fucking terrible, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, and there is just this huge disconnect and, and this spreading of, like, misinformation and all that kind of yeah. stuff that, you know, it's fucking exhausting. <laughs> I Again, I'm not one of those people who's like, oh, tech's completely disadvantageous, you know? Like, I... Like, I, I've had a lot of good things come for me uh, through, you know, Twitter and stuff like that. And, mm -hmm. and all of you, you know, like, I'm really grateful to have met a lot of you through it. But ultimately, you know, there is, <laughs> we're still at that, you know, <laughs> what, what's interesting here is, look, we're still at that point in the development of tech and social media and stuff like that, mm -hmm. that, that we, we still don't really know kind of the full effects. And, yeah. ma and maybe all of us will turn out to be like our parents were with video games and be like, you know, like where we're all like, oh, text the devil and whatever. And <laughs> and then the next generation's like, shut up. It's fine, you know. And and, and so maybe that'll turn out this way, too. Like maybe mm -hmm. maybe people like me and our generation are, you know, all like text fucking awful and devil. And then Gen Z is going to come up and be like, oh, text just my life. Fuck you, you know. <laughs> um, but they'll all be a little assholes, too. And so then I'll have, you know, a right to be like, well, tech fucked you up. But <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding, Gen Z. Don't fucking burn me at the stake. Um. But <laughs> no, but I I feel like you definitely agree with with Steph's line when Chris almost dies trying to recover his phone. She's just like, that was a stupid move to make. It's just glass and plastic. Mm -hmm. But I'm kind of on the side of Chris because his response to that is all of my pictures of Lisa and my grandmother, all of that stuff is there. And Chris mm -hmm. finds his voice through technology um, because his video, he realizes his voice isn't like the, the monster uh, movies he was making. Again, again, it's... <laughs> It's, it's why I think with this film, it's not necessarily that tech is evil, evil, bad, but it is a reminder that we've forgotten what the, what, what, what happens, good. what happens to Chris by the end, Chris, he's a zombie. He is. <laughs> he's a zombie <laughs> because he's devoted his life to tech. <laughs> he tried to save Steph because she couldn't keep her mouth shut when she was holding a dildo. He did. And tech <laughs> failed him in the end. <laughs> So no, I mean, I mean, look, I, yeah. I, I, th I think the, I think the zombie, the evac selfies thing says it all too. Yes, you know? you're not because, wrong. Because that, for, I'm not even fucking kidding. I, I saw the other day this photo of a couple uh, from Instagram where they had climbed to like the top of a building, like a like a skyscraper. <laughs> Or not a skyscraper, but they had climbed to the top of a very tall building mm -hmm. and and were like sitting on the very top of it uh, with a fucking selfie stick out so they could take a picture of themselves <laughs> on top of this building. You know, that's, but yes, tech that, has that made is, us very dumb. That is what tech has done to us. It's made us complete morons. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not disagreeing with you on any of those points. No. I, the only reason I'm arguing with you a little is I think that there is one small benefit to tech that Chris points out is well, that it should be used to keep memories that are smart, you, not exact. 
You're just identifying with him because his name's Chris. You don't even know what you're saying. I have to stick up for other Chris. You don't even know what you're saying. You're just like, his name's Chris. I'm going to defend whatever he He is an adorable cinnamon roll, and I will defend him. He is. But look, far be it for me to to not take an opportunity to bash tech, right? So so look, one of the other sad parts about this that that I think we got to talk about is, you know, going back to the whole Christmas tree mall thing, the death of John. Uh. (laughs) Oh, what a moment. You know, the... it's so tragic but so necessary yep i think for this movie and it's really funny because anna the apocalypse tells you right up front how dark the movie's gonna be Mm -hmm. without you realizing it because it's done to the tune of a catchy song (laughs) uh you know so when they sing uh no hollywood ending Mm -hmm. they're basically telling you this movie ain't gonna have a hollywood ending yes i I think i think anna maybe even flat out says that during the song Mm -hmm. and so you know a lot of us we watch this movie and we're really sad about john's death because he is this sweet boy who just you know who just has such a big crush on anna and you can't help but love him in his fucking dorky christmas (laughs) sweater that lights up right like he's like he's just a really fun character but Mm -hmm. he has to die Yes. Because not just for Anna's sake and and the idea that, you know, this is no Hollywood ending. She's not, you know, she's not going to find true love with John like we nope. all want her to, you know. But it's a Hollywood. Did you say you don't want I her don't, to find? No. <laughs> I kind of want her to find love with John. They seem good together. But <laughs> but if she doesn't like him, obviously, then no. But, um, but that's the thing is it's also, you know, it's a no Hollywood ending for John. And, mm-hmm. and John probably more specifically because John has you know, this kind of naive idea of like, uh, Anna and I are, you know, we're going to fall in love. Like she's going to fall in love with me finally. And we're going to like get married and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, nah, dude, this is the real world. This is the real world. And your heart's going to get broken. And just because women talk to you doesn't mean they love you, you know, (laughs) which is a weird lesson (laughs) that, which, 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 which is weird that dudes have to even learn that lesson, you know, because there's so many of them out there, uh, including myself at one time in my life. (laughs) (laughs) It happens to everybody, but look, I, I love John and Anna's relationship because it touches on something. Yeah. Because, and it also touches on something that we don't get as often as I would like to see in, in movies in general, which is two best friends, which I love. And John, yes, John has a crush on Anna and he wants Anna to stay. He wants her to stay with him. But John knows that that's not going to happen. Even though that's what he wants, it's never going to happen. And he kind of voices his feelings for her once when they're on, in the shopping carts together and they're pushing her pushing each other Mm -hmm. and Anna very you know mildly reminds him that she is that John is her best friend and he accepts it it breaks his heart but there's never a moment where he lashes out at Anna or anything like that and for me with with John's death it had to happen because again it's the reality of moving on moving on to college you don't you leave your best friends behind sometimes and the thing I find interesting so heartbreaking about John is he's our only sacrifice He's our only person who really sacrifices themselves in the movie. Because like Chris and Lisa, they end up getting bit because the technology fails them. Yeah, because the technology sucks. <laughs> you know, shit happens. You know, her dad ends up getting bit in an altercation. Everybody else, it's kind of your normal zombie accident type of thing. And John's even is a normal zombie accident. He only gets bit because he's so excited to prove to Anna he knows all the names of the reindeer that he doesn't notice the zombie walking up on him. 
but then he uses his death to shield Anna and get her out. And I feel like that's also, again, talking about this college and moving on. I think we've all had friends who we've left behind, especially when we've moved on to college and everything like that. And John's a good example of that friend who really wants you to stay. They mm. want you to stay because he's never getting out. He's never getting out of that small town because John doesn't have what it takes to make that step forward. Well, I mean, that's the thing with John, you know, is that, and yes, and, and that's also why he, I think he has to die because, because yes. <laughs> like when, when you look at, when you look at a lot of the characters that don't make it, they're the ones like John mm-hmm. where, you know, again, this is, this is a bit of a mixed message maybe, but like. They're the ones who are satisfied. Yes. With life, mm-hmm. you know, like, because <laughs> you, yeah, you have John who seems pretty good with the way things are. He wants Anna to stay. He doesn't really want her to go anywhere, you know. Mm-hmm. It's not that he doesn't believe in her, but he wants her to stay with him. Yeah. Uh, and then of course, you know, Chris and Lisa, they're totally content with what where they are in life with each other right now. They're that adorable um, high school couple that gets married and is happy. Exactly. And, it, you know, the the only people that don't make it out or, or the only people that do make it out are the ones who are not satisfied with living life in this town. Exactly. You know, Anna, Steph, Nick, like they're mm-hmm. they're all the ones who are like, this is not it for me. Mm-hmm. You know, because we already know Anna's story. Uh, Steph is a queer woman who doesn't seem accepted by basically anybody. Yeah. So, of course, so, of course, she can't really wait to get out, you know, and mm-hmm. she. And she wants to go kind of explore the world and, like, you know, expose all the, all the darkest parts of it, right? So she's yeah. obviously not very content. Uh, and then, you know, Nick, we, we don't really learn a whole lot about Nick, but we kind of get the idea that maybe his upbringing isn't really great and his dad's pretty fucking awful, you know? Yeah. Um, well, no, I find Nick really fascinating because, yeah, both Steph – so we have that song in the beginning, which is Breakaway, and it's about Steph and Anna specifically talking about wanting to get out and John singing about how he doesn't want Anna to leave. Um, so, yeah, the two of them, it makes sense that they get out in the end because they're the ones who have been pushing so hard to escape. Nick, I think, is really interesting getting to the end because I think the reason why he gets there is we have that moment where we find out that the reason why there's tension between Nick and Anna isn't because they slept together and then it got leaked out and Anna was made fun of or whatever the fuck. Because um, Nick is a piece of trash this entire movie. He's he's a dick. Oh, yeah. I'm actually kind of mad dick. that he survives. But <laughs> so, but I think that he survives because we find out that the reason why Anna's mad at him isn't because of the sex thing, but it's because... Nick does want to get out. He recognizes the fact that his family situation isn't great, but he doesn't really know how to make those like last steps on his own. And the only reason why he really gets out is because of Anna, you know, because he's trying to help her. And so we have that song at the end, which is I Will Believe. And when you watch that song, Nick is defeated. Nick is, he's basically sitting on the ground and Anna's the one who's standing up you know basically leading the charge of like we're gonna get out of this and i think that's why nick survives i think sometimes when you end up meeting somebody who has such a drive they can kind of drag you out of your bad situation no she's your shepherd (laughs) no i know but i don't think that's why nick survives i think nick survives because when you look at when you look at the last three who are alive you know anna nick and steph Mm -hmm. to, to me that's kind of like so you know how when you go off to school it's kind of, or when you go off to college, it's kind of like a, a new start to life. Mm-hmm. And part of that new start is the bad decisions that you make on <laughs> who, 
who you date and who you sleep with, you know, uh-huh. the the kind of the friends that you make that you never would have been friends with in high school, mm-hmm. you know, and, and so I kind of look at it like that, like, you know, here on one hand for Anna is Steph, this girl that she doesn't really seem all that impressed with mm-hmm. uh, when we first meet her, like, you know, it kind of seems like Anna probably thinks she's a dork, um, <laughs> but through the circumstances of leaving and kind of finding this quote unquote newfound family, You know, Steph is one of those people that, like, you know, you become friends with later on in life that you might not have been in high school Mm -hmm. when everything is so fucking clicky, (laughs) right? Yeah. You know, and and a lot of us have been through that. Like, anyone who's probably going to college has probably found themselves, you know, becoming friends with people they might not have before, Mm -hmm. you know, whether it's because you're forced to be a roommate with somebody or whatever. So so she's kind of like that for me with this. And then, you know, of course, Nick, I I think is Nick's that part of Anna's (laughs) life where it's like, Okay, you know, part of college is also the fucking, you know... You slept with the wrong person. (laughs) The mistakes you make with the people you sleep with. And and, and basically, you know, it's not... We all kind of acknowledge, like, you know, going off to college. And look, I went through this own stuff uh, with with a couple girls that I dated in high school where it's like, you know, once you're getting ready to go off to college, like, no matter how, no matter how sweet or or nice or whatever you think this thing that's maybe love or whatever in this relationship is mm-hmm. people want to go out into the world and experience it oh, and, yeah. and they don't you know most most of us don't want to stay tied to the person that we dated in high school right <laughs> and so well anna didn't actually date john like he wanted you know mm-hmm. he's still kind of representative of like that kind of nice boy high school relationship right okay. mm-hmm. and and nick is kind of the <laughs> mistake you make in freshman year <laughs> yeah the mistake you make in freshman year the the adulthood mm-hmm. kind of sleeping around relationship right like the the dangerous boy that you, that you fuck <laughs> uh when all you right. get when you get into college because is you that what is that what you did you found a dangerous boy oh all the dangerous boys um <laughs> <laughs> But but uh but yes I did I did sleep with dangerous quote unquote people, um so so you know so it's like that like it's you know to me to me Nick is just that he's that uh, exciting part of life that's kind of different than you know what you've known in high school mm-hmm. you know that's kind of a, just another part of basically moving on and becoming an adult you know um, I don't think it's anything because of Nick specifically mm-hmm. uh, just kind of the way that he relates to Anna so. <laughs> Nick doesn't matter fuck that guy. I mean, basically, I mean, it's kind of, I mean, he's, he's, look, he's the most boring character to me, if I'm being honest, because he's just, because yep. he's just the, oh, I bully people, but it's because I'm sad at home. Like, fuck you, Nick. <laughs> I mean, I, to, I, have to no, quote, I have no sympathy for characters like that. To quote Lisa, though, he does have a body you could lick chocolate off of. I don't give a fuck. He's still a dick. <laughs> I <Yes>. don't care. <laughs> yeah, he is, he is kind of the worst. Yeah. But yeah, th- this, this is a great ending, and it, you know, and again, this is something I love about Anna and the Apocalypse is this really is, you know, a, a true through and through zombie film uh, because, you know, 80% of these, I'm, yes, I'm throwing a random number out there, but <laughs> like 80% of these movies are bleak. Yeah. You know, z- z- zombie movies are very difficult to end on a positive note because when the world is, you know, facing a zombie apocalypse, there's very few ways to just like, right to that Ron in the end, you know? So, so there are no Hollywood endings. There are no Hollywood endings. And the end of the apocalypse lives up to 
the zombie method and that song as perfectly as it can because you have these three people who didn't really love each other before this. Nope. <laughs> You know that, and and they now have to live this life with the with the three of them, and it's got that great kind of the graduate type ending, you know, where they're driving off and they're like, "What do we do now?" And nobody has an answer. You know, it's just like the graduate when they drive off in the bus, and you know, he's just rescued her from her wedding, and then they have nothing to say to each other because they've realized how horrible of a mistake they've made. You know, and and that's kind of the same thing here. You know, where it's like, okay, now they're going off into the real world, and. And it's finally hitting them for the first time of like, shit, mm-hmm. life is real now. We're, yeah. not, we're not in high school anymore. We're not in fucking Kansas anymore. <laughs> we're going off to the real world. And the real world is zombies and death and darkness. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and you have the song playing in the end, which, you know, is all about, you know, Christmas means family and all this kind of stuff. And and so, I again, I think the the Christmas setting's perfect. This ending is perfect because it's it's just hitting home that idea of like Christmas is family, your hometown is family, the life you've known is family and friends, and now you're moving on to a life where like you don't have that twenty four seven. Yeah, you're gonna be on your own, <laughs> and it's hard, <laughs> and it's just an entirely new world for them. And I and that's why I just love when they're like, I don't know what the fuck we're about to do. <laughs> Because none of us do. We yep. all we all we all go off on that adventure of like leaving home, but you can never confidently say like, okay, this is what happens next, because <laughs> you don't know what happens next. That's nope. part of the excitement. Yep. Only in this case, it's you know bleak. <laughs> yep. Yes, it is. Like even her dad, even Anna's dad's speech is you know the kind of what he tells her in the end as he's about to die. It, it's it's the sort of speech that like you might give your kids as they're going off to college. Yeah. You know, it's it's literally pretty it much is. the same thing other than, you know, the fact that they're dying. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but like any parent, you know, as he's, I guess, dying, he's looking at a picture of Anna. Because, yeah, this is this is the three of them escaping and going off to college. And that's why I like yeah. the fact that we go back and we see the people who don't escape. Because, mm. again, for me, this is all about how hard it is to escape a small town. 100%, yeah. Yeah. And so we, we look back in on, on Chris and Lisa, and they're both zombies, and the dad doesn't make it out alive. And even John is content with his fucking light-up well, Christmas sweater, <laughs> which I understand. because I mean, if shiny, I, who doesn't love shiny things? I would kill for a light-up Christmas sweater. God, you probably would, too. Would um, it be amazing? <laughs> no, Chris, you don't have to kill that person. You can just buy it for $30. I'm going to stab him. Look, Soldiers at War is my zombie th- anthem. No, it's not. Yes, it is. You would not, you would not be one of the Soldiers at War Yes, people. I would. No, you wouldn't. going to murder I know the zombies. You, I know you want to believe you would be the zombie killer, but Why you are you not. trying to take this from me? I just, just, no, get it out of your head. Um, <laughs> Matt thinks that my song is the fish rap, and he's not wrong because it has a lot of fish puns, your and I love it. Your song is the fish rap. It's the one song about, like, eating fish and stuff like that. And, and puns. It's filled with and puns. And puns. That, that is totally your song in this movie. <laughs> I'm sorry to say, Chris. <laughs> and look, just the thing I want to wrap up on here is this is why I'm saying that I don't I don't believe that the film is intended to have a negative message despite the kind of downer of an ending, you know? Mm-hmm. Because cuz again, I think that the, I think that the film's really just capturing like the the fear that we feel in leaving mm-hmm. and kind of the loneliness of that, you know? Uh, but like you said, and like you've been saying, you know, the, the whole point is like everyone becoming a zombie uh, to kind of show the kind of mundane reality of staying where you are, right? Yeah. And so, and so what the film's, I think, ultimately doing here is like, 
you know, it's encouraging of like, yes, get out, don't become a zombie, get out, do your thing, uh, go for your dreams, mm-hmm. but just understand, like, you know, it's hard, and, yeah. and and that and that's and that's why you know it's just capturing that feeling of like how hard it is to leave, mm-hmm. um, but you still have uh, one of you still have Anna's last song of like I will believe, which is basically her just saying. You know, like an exact quote is, well, I still breathe. I will believe. Yeah. And, and that's and that's something that I think, like, you know, as long as you get the right encouragement and you continue to believe in yourself, you kind of carry with you through all of adulthood. Like, I, I think that's an important thing to uh, to end on and to carry with you is just that idea that as long as you're breathing, you can still go achieve your dreams. Yeah. You just have you just have to except like it's scary and it's difficult and it's hard mm-hmm. but you might, just gotta but you just gotta keep fighting if that's what you want you know so yeah, you just might have to bash some zombie brains but you can do it right you just might have to smash uh two a zombie's head between two bowling balls you know but <laughs> that is a feat of strength <laughs> i mean not if you're doing it with like five pound bowling balls still no not still it's fun. you ever smash somebody's head between two bowling balls no Chris? i have I, not i bet their brains <laughs> would pop out with just a five pound ball let's go <laughs> test it uh, you first. Um, <laughs> uh, but all right, so we do have to start wrapping up. Uh, so who is your killer idiot for Anna and the Apocalypse? Like, it's the fucking kids for going to the Christmas tree lot. Like, it's dark. There's lots of shadowy corners. It's just not a smart move to do during the zombie apocalypse. Not the best idea. No. They're but, like, but like they said, oh, it's going to save time. <laughs> they're idiots because they're teenagers. Well, the message there is there's no shortcuts in life, is there? <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, you're not wrong, but. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I just thought of that. That's probably what it is there for. So. Yep. <laughs> I love how some you probably listen to this and they're like, God, you're so dumb. That's not what it means, man. It's just a fucking plot point. <laughs> yes, I know that it's a plot point, but I like to find meaning in things, okay? Um, anyway, uh, what about your killer, or actually, my killer idiot is Principal Savage, uh, because don't fuck with teenagers, bro, all right? No. If Twitter has taught me anything, <laughs> if Twitter has taught me anything, don't fuck with Gen Z, because they will destroy your life over, like, you know... Over, over getting the smallest thing incorrect, you know. He so, just wanted a hug. Uh, what about your killer death in, in the apocalypse? I mean, Savage. He gets his fucking guts ripped out by a crowd. He has the best death. Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of great deaths in this. I also chose Savage though, just because. Well, I don't actually think that the death itself is maybe the best because there are others that are maybe more fun. Like again, the bowling balls, the head thing is pretty great. That's true. Uh, or the snowman that gets his head you know, <laughs> chopped off by a fucking uh, teeter totter. Oh, I, zombies count in killer death. Yes, Chris, anything that dies. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, which is why it's called killer death and not killer human death. <laughs> but, but I, I also chose savage because uh, I just love that. It's a throwback to, uh, the the George Romero zombie style of killing like George mm-hmm. George Romero is pretty much the one that you know invented the the zombie ripping out guts kill <laughs> uh, which pretty much became you know synonymous with his with his zombie films mm-hmm. um, so so I love that they include that because that's a total George Romero bit uh, and, and I like to see it as a little tribute to him so <laughs> I just like the fact that Savage finally gets what he thinks he wants because he's held up by the crowd and then they eat him yep karma yeah. yeah no i love that he laughs at first and he's like oh shit i'm about to die yep. <laughs> uh all right what about your killer mvp 
Uh, so for me, that goes to Roddy Hart and Tommy Riley, who uh, did the music for this. Because mm. I fucking love the songs for this. I absolutely like have it on my on my phone to listen to and dance around like Anna does when I listen to it when I'm working at my shop. Yeah, that's fair. I, I personally, I feel like the music was a little too easy to choose because. <laughs> Because uh, we're talking about musicals here, and if the music okay, sucks, just then straight the up <laughs> call me basic already. <laughs> but but if, the, if the music's bad, then the then the movie obviously sucks. <laughs> uh, so so I'm just gonna say <laughs> so mean to me. I'm just gonna say uh, Anna, just because I think that it's so easy to choose Anna. <laughs> no, it's not because uh, you chose the music. That was the easy one. Uh, no, I'm going for Anna because uh, look, I just think Ella Hunt's a great actress. I think she's really. You know, she really pulls you in with her performance because she kind of seems like that person that you could be best friends with, but she's mm-hmm. also a badass. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and I just think she does a really fun performance, like all of her little kind of dance moves uh, throughout, like whipping her hair around and stuff like that. Like, Oh, she's amazing. Yeah. Um, I will say, I think that it was uh, Sarah Swire who did all the dance choreography for this movie as well. I was reading trivia on IMDb. Oh, really? Well, well, then yeah. I guess I guess she gets a little more credit too because she also acts in the film. So. Yeah, I double checked this, but I feel like I remember reading that she did all the dance choreography for um, the movie, and they kind of talked about how difficult it was because since it was low budget, they didn't have professional dancers, and I think they did a great job because all of those kids dance like fucking kids, and it's awesome. Yeah, the choreography is wonderful, and. And, and yeah, and I just I love I love Anna, great dancer. Yep. Got a crush on her probably. Yep. She's a, she's <laughs> awesome. Uh, but anyway, so uh, on Twitter every week at Killer Critics, we like to get your thoughts and feelings on the film and what you thought of it. So between love it, it's fine, don't like it, never seen it, where do you think our audience falls on Anna in the Apocalypse? I'm really worried that it's never seen it. Close. Uh, so love it got thirty nine point five percent. Uh, it's fine is 21.1%. Don't like it was 3.9%. And never seen it was 35.5%. So, yes. So, quite a few people haven't seen it, which, Aww. you know, I'm a little surprised because it is a recent movie. I think it did get pretty good word of mouth when it released. Uh, and and I, I know I've seen a lot of people like myself on on Twitter that talk about it every Christmas because this movie is so much fucking fun. Um, so if you have not seen it, definitely do so. This yep. film is, this film is a blast. Yes. Uh, but, and, and just for clarification, I fall in the love it category. I, oh, I yeah. adore this movie and you do too. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we just like to get comments from you all as well uh, on our Twitter at killer critics. So, uh, so these are all from Twitter. Uh, first up is at Dami in L.A. So that's D-O-M-M-Y-I-N-L-A. Uh, what's up, Dami? Hope you're doing well. Dami was in an accident recently. I won't get into details for Dami's sake, but hope he's doing okay. Uh, but he says, I know I always write this, but I showed this to my horror group. We did in December. It was a total blast. Uh, I'm not sure if there's a typo here, but he says, Gays and horror are we, so a horror musical seems perfect. <laughs> Songs were pretty awesome. The black humor nailed it. I'm not a big Christmas fan, but this got me over the hump. Yeah, it, this movie is just fucking amazing. And yeah, this is one of our new like go-to Christmas movies that we watch like every year because it's fantastic. Yeah, this is an annual watch for us now. Um, and I get it. I'm not a big Christmas fan either. I kind of hate all of the obligations of Christmas. Yes, he does. <laughs> uh, which, which is why I really love horror Christmas movies because they're... They get the, you? Well, they get you, they get me, but they're, yeah, they're all very, like, anti-Christmas, you know, <laughs> which is, 
which uh, appeals to me. So, um, but anyway, thank you at Damian LA for the comment. Appreciate it. Uh, next up is a comment from at Narcotic Casser One. So that's Narcotic C A S S E R, and then the number one. And they say in zombie movie subtextual terms, I like how this film uses zombies as a metaphor for the monotony of oncoming adulthood and how Anna is hell bent to make her life interesting. And in doing so, be forced to leave her old life behind. See, they get me. They're also in agreement that it's about I'm being trapped in a small. <laughs> I'm in agreement with both of you. I was just adding an extra element to it, saying that they're also, you know, that part of they're the scary part of moving yeah. on. <laughs> yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Someone's on my side. <laughs> I'm on your side too. I never wasn't on your side with this. <laughs> Damn it, Narcotic Caster 1, causing problems. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, th- thank you for the comment. And yeah, Chris and I have already been over this. Clearly agree. Um, definitely agree with you uh, as much as Chris is trying to say that I don't. <laughs> uh, but so thank you for the comment, Narcotic Caster 1. Appreciate it. Uh, next up is a comment from at Real Feels Pod. So they have a podcast. You should go listen to them. But they are uh, R-E-E-L-F-E-E-L-S-P-O-D. And they say, I play the soundtrack sometimes in my classes and my students just stare at me, especially because I'm bobbing and singing along. They sound like you would be if you were a teacher. (laughs) Okay, to be fair, I have musical Mondays because I'm the only one at my shop on Mondays. So yes, my my clients have absolutely heard the Anna and the Apocalypse soundtrack because it's on there. Um, And also, your students should enjoy better music because the soundtrack is awesome. They shouldn't look at you weird. They should be bopping along because the soundtrack kills. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I have nothing to add to that. I think the soundtrack's great and, uh, you know, good on you forcing your students to listen to it and hopefully encouraging them to go check out this movie because it's amazing. Straight. Uh, so anyway, thank you at Real Feels Pod for the comment. Appreciate it. Uh, next up is a comment from at Nezco. So that's N-E-Z-Z-K-O. And they actually have, they're a writer for uh, Bloody Disgusting and, you know, cover video games for them. They also have a podcast with my buddy jay that they do for play discussing called the safe room pod where they talk video games uh so definitely go check them out and follow them listen to them uh but they say my wife and kids have never seen the film but know most of the soundtrack by heart because i play it so often (laughs) all right i fucking love that so much as you should again i am a a big fan that's why i'm super excited this entire month because in the apocalypse is definitely one of my favorite soundtracks from all the movies that we're covering this month and it's it's just so easy because this is one of those few soundtracks where you can play and if you've never seen the movie before it doesn't fucking matter because the songs are amazing and they don't divulge any plot so that works yeah, not really. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, but no, the soundtrack is amazing. I love that you've played it so often, Nesco, that that they have it memorized. Like like I was saying, Chris and I play the soundtrack every December and Chris all year long. So. Yep. Because <laughs> uh, it is just that fantastic. But uh, thank you, at Nesco, for the comment. Appreciate it. And then lastly is a comment from at Jeff Whitmire one Hopefully I said that uh, correctly, Jeff. But that's J-E-F-F-W-H-I-T-M-I-R-E and the number one. And Jeff is actually a uh, music parody artist, so uh, you should follow him and check out his stuff. He does really fun parodies on horror films. Uh, the most recent one I think I saw was for Reanimator, which has our fr- which has our friend at Sinful underscore Redhead in it. Uh, so go check that out; it's really fun. Uh, but he says it's one of my absolute all time favorite films of like ever. I adore that movie. It's definitely up there for me. I always have a tough time choosing my my favorite favorite film, but I think I can confidently say 
that this is my second favorite Christmas movie of all time. Number one is Muppets Christmas Carol because you can't be. <laughs> no, I'm not fuck, saying. Fuck you. <laughs> no, I'm not saying uh, Muppets Christmas Carol is a good movie. <laughs> it's Magic of uh, the Muppets. Oh, I am <laughs> rude. Um, but yeah, this is my second all-time favorite Christmas film of all time. I always look forward every year when we watch it, and then I remember it makes me cry so so much. Yeah, I, I, I have others that I put above this, uh, but it is still a great Christmas movie. I do still watch it every year. Um, so I'm not quite on the level of you and Jeff with it, but I do That's adore fine. this film. So. Yeah, it's a good one. Uh, but anyway, thank you at Jeff Whitmire one for the comment. Appreciate it. Uh, and then one last thing we do here is just kind of our releases for the week and what you can look forward to this week. So uh, first up is a film called Midnight, which is coming to VOD on the 5th. And this looks great. Uh, it's coming from Dread. Uh, and it's about a killer who stalks a deaf woman. So so it looks really interesting. It looks pretty intense. Uh, I love these stories, you know, about about uh, people who are at a disadvantage that kind of, you know, end up standing up and hopefully, in this case, overcoming <laughs> uh, the threat of this killer. But it looks really great. So definitely keep an eye out for that. Uh, and then next is a film called The Ice Demon, which is coming to VOD on the 5th. And this is about a man who returns home in a coma after disappearing for years and brings a supernatural presence with him. Uh, also looks kind of interesting. This is coming from Scream Factory and, or Shout Factory. Uh, I have not seen either of these yet, unfortunately. I've been very busy <laughs> the last week and haven't been able to get to either of these. But uh, but they both look interesting. I, I would definitely check out Midnight, I think. that Between the two, I think that's the one I'm most interested in. Mm-hmm. Um, but So keep an eye out for those. Uh, otherwise, we are going to be covering the 1986 version of Little Shop of Horrors next week. Yay! Uh, unfortunately, that is not streaming that I know of, but if you have not seen it, it's incredible. It's yep. probably one of the best musicals ever made. That's a bold statement, my love. It's probably one of the best musicals ever made. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I, I mean, you know, so go check that out. And, and I know that many of you disagree with me, but look, I'm biased when it comes to horror musicals, okay? Yeah, and I love fair. Little Shop of Horrors. I grew up on this movie. It's great. Fuck you, Chris. <laughs> uh, I was just going to say Little Shop or Phantom of the Opera. Look, Phantom's great too, all right? But Little Shop of Horrors <laughs> is fantastic. Um, so anyway, so so that'll be uh, our topic for next next week. So give a watch to that if you've not seen it yet. Go do your homework there. Uh, otherwise, that's going to do it for us on And the Apocalypse. So if we enjoyed that, uh, I'm Matt. And I'm Chris. And have a great night, horror fans. Bye. I hope you've enjoyed tonight's episode of Killer Horror Critic. If you'd like to scream with us some more, Please subscribe on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Killer From Space, as well as Instagram at Killer underscore Horror underscore Critic. New episodes release every Friday, so keep your eyeballs peeled just the way I like them. Have a good night, horror fans.